Hello everybody, welcome to New Gen MMA. I'm Ensign Munoz and today I'm gonna be interviewing my guest. He's my dad. He's been training MMA for a long time and he's trained with Ensign Anaway, Egan Anaway, Barry Yoshida. He's a multiple jiu-jitsu world champion and many more. So today we're just gonna be asking him questions and interviewing him and he's gonna be telling stories. Okay, so let's get started. Okay, so, um. Yeah, just to clear up, I'm not the world champion. Barry Yoshida is. The way you made it sound, you made it sound like I'm the world champion in jiu-jitsu. All right, so I started training jiu-jitsu back in, um, right before the first UFC. The first place I went to was the Gracie Academy in uh, Torrance, back when it was a small little room with uh, green mats next to a sushi place. And uh, and, and uh, so, so I started training there. I trained there for about three months. And then, I, you know, I, I left there because... Horion and Hoyce were really good. Horion was a good teacher because he taught me some stuff that totally saved my ass, you know, saved my life in a few situations. But at the same time, they were just not nice guys, man. They were dicks. They would slap their students. They would treat you like shit. And I went back and I, I actually, I left because of that. And then um, I stopped training there because of that for a while. And I, and I had this uh, psychology teacher at Cerritos College. His name was Gary Schomburg. And he had a son who is uh, who was a jiu-jitsu champion named Chris Schomburg. And Gary was telling me, oh, no, you should go check out, you know, these different places that are non-Brazilian because the Brazilians, are, uh, you know, have a, a way of doing things, you know, that, that you know, that, that people, you know, like some of the things that you mentioned that you might not like. You should go train with, a, with an American instructor and see how you like the difference. And I went looking for a guy named Ken Gabrielson, but instead I found John Delao who was Ken Gabrielson's partner, and they had split up. And John had opened up his own place called Delao Jiu-Jitsu. So I went there, and I started training there. It was a tiny little room in Santa Ana. So uh, I went there with my with, with a friend that I had, and I, I trained with John Delao for a couple of years, and it was awesome. It was great. I mean, John was just a motherfucker. John was just like one of the toughest guys you ever met. He was a small guy, like 5'9", 5'8", you know, like 5'8", and he was just tough as nails. And we would just put boxing gloves on and just beat the crap out of each other. So we would do jiu-jitsu, but it was more like, it was called volley tudo. And uh, so I trained with John for a while. And then after I, when I was at John's, then I decided to join the army. So I joined the army and I ended up going to, uh, in 97, around 97, and I ended, up, I ended up in Hawaii. And I remember I told John, I was like, yeah, I'm going to, John Delao, I told John, uh, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go and um, I'm going to have to stop training jiu-jitsu because I'm, I'm going to be stationed in Hawaii. So uh, he said, no, you won't. You know, you can actually go train with this guy, Egan Inouye. And uh, so I, uh, he showed me a video of Egan fighting. And man, I was just so impressed, you know. And, and then I, I saw some other videos of Ensign also. So, but more than anything, I knew, I knew about Egan. So, uh, so I get to, to, uh, I finished my basic training and all my other stuff. And then I ended up in Hawaii and back then there was no internet. So as soon as I got there, I looked on the phone book and I saw that Grappling Unlimited was in this place called Halava. And, uh, it was, it was far away from Schofield Barracks, which is on the North side of the Island, uh, you know, on the, on a higher side and, Halava was closer to town to 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 Honolulu to the downtown LA, so it was it was quite a ways away. You know, you had to take a highway. So I ended up going there. Finally, I I, I when my when 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 I got a vehicle, I ended up going down there. And uh, man, that was the best thing that ever happened. 
you know, uh, Egan was incredible. I mean, just as an individual, he's probably one of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life. He, uh, you know, just to give you an example, the guy looked like a Japanese He-Man. I mean, he was just yoked up. He was built like a brick shit house, and he was just a good-looking guy. And he was a Super Brawl champion. I mean, at one point, he could beat anybody on the island of Oahu. Guys were coming from Japan get their ass kicked by him. I mean, he was just an overall badass. Uh, on top of that, he held records for spearfishing some of the biggest fish, some of the biggest ulua, which are called the, the, the bulldogs of the sea. I mean, these fish are so big, they can eat you. Uh, these fish are so big, it usually takes two people to spear them, one on the other side. Otherwise, they'll pull you under and you'll get the bends. They'll kill you. So Egan, Egan was such a badass that he would spearfish these fish, and he actually holds records for, uh, for 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 uh, spearfishing some of the biggest lua, and uh, he could hold his breath underwater for something like seven minutes. I mean, it was just unbelievable. So um, you know the guy, the guy was just amazing, and on top of that, he was three-time racquetball champion of the world. I mean, you talk about somebody who could do it all. Uh, amazing swimmer. We would go swim at UH, and he was just an amazing athlete all around. So, you know, he really opened up my eyes to 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 uh, not only to fighting, but to making me the best the best me I could ever be. You know, and and I, I really credit him because being in the military was really hard for me. Being in the army, in especially in the infantry, was really difficult. And and it was Egan's discipline and training, and through his you know example of just being a a good person. You know that that uh, made me a better person and and just uh, set me on my path. Uh, so, you know I um, and then through Egan I met Ensign, Ensign anyway. And Ensign was a, was a uh, he was a Pride champion, and Ensign was just a, a scary guy, man. I mean, if you look at Ensign now, Ensign is still yeah he's still a scary guy. But I'm talking about back then he just had an intensity where when he walked into the room, people everybody would just stay quiet. Cause he was just like a no nonsense guy. If he said the wrong thing, he smacked you in the mouth. I mean, he was just—he just didn't play games. He was on all the time. He was just, and it wasn't like he was bullying people. He just lived by a warrior's code. Like you see a samurai, that was Ensign, you know. And he would just slice you in half. I mean, it was just like that guy did not play games, you know. So I was always kind of intimidated by Ensign, so I didn't, you know, really, really, you know, know him that well. And besides that, Ensign had his schools in Japan. So Ensign had purebred in Japan, and Egan had Grappling Unlimited in Hawaii. So, you know, I was part of Grappling Unlimited, and uh, that's where I met Barrett Yoshida, Andy Wang, uh, Kong Sorrell. I mean, it was just all these guys that, that, that went on to fight, you know, in big promotions and, and uh, you know, and just become really, really great fighters. Uh, Anthony Torres fought in the UFC also. Um, I mean, there were a lot of guys. So... You know, uh, it was it was just really really awesome. It was a, it was an unbelievable experience. Um, but yeah, so so when I was at Grappling Unlimited, Barrett Barrett Yoshida Barrett and I we would train for hours, man. I mean, I we would I would get there sometimes at ten in the morning, nine in the morning, and Barrett was already there, and then we would just start rolling, and sometimes we would leave. It was dark outside, so we trained like from nine to nine, twelve hours, you know, and maybe we'd take a little bit of rest. We would just go at it all day. And it was it was just um un- unbelievable. We'd stop for a little while and then we'd just continue to pick up right where we left off. You know, so I just trained there for a very, very long time. And then um oh my buddy Abe Rodriguez also, you know, who's also, you know, one of my brothers, John Chrysostomo. I mean, it was just a ton of really tough guys there. Um, you know, so 
yeah, it was just uh, it was just an amazing journey. And, and as a matter of fact, you know, the bonds that I made with some of those people that I still have them today, some of those guys are still my friends. You know, this is 20 years later. We're, you know, I still consider them like brothers, like family. Um, but yeah, that's that's basically what started me on my path. And, you know, I uh, I haven't competed for a while. I haven't, you know, I haven't fought in a ring for a long time. But, I mean, shit, I get into street fights sometimes, you know, defending ladies or people because LA is a crazy place, man. And, you know, for example, if you're on the subway, you know, or, or anywhere, because the shit just pops off sometimes. And it's not like I'm looking for it, but, you know, sometimes you're just sitting there and somebody will start in on an old person or a woman or a child or something. I'll be like, hey, man, what are you doing? I'm not co-signing on that shit. And I don't know, because I'm getting older or whatever, people sometimes think they can, you know, you know, they're going to take me and it, and it just doesn't work out with them. And the reason it doesn't work out for them. And the reason why is because I put in all that mat, mat time. I mean, I trained with guys who were fucking assassins, and it was it was crazy because the when I was at Grappling Unlimited, guys from all over the world would show up. We had sumo wrestlers show up. We had the world's strongmen show up, like from ESPN. You know, see the strongman competition where guys where guys uh, throw those kegs up in the air and all these big balls. We uh, you know we had uh, Japanese fighters. We had kung fu guys. We had all kinds of people showing, and we handed them all their ass. I mean, guys would walk in there, big ass dudes, roided out, and they would just get demolished. And and, and you know, Egan, Egan didn't care how big we were or anything. If you were part of the fight team or you let it be known that you wanted to fight. If somebody walked in the door, he'd look around and be like, you, come on, you want to you fight? And if you said no, then you had no business representing the gym. So, you know, if you put it out there that you wanted to fight, that means that you that you were on go, you know? And he didn't force you, but you put your money where your mouth is, you know? A lot of people say they want to be fighters, but, man, the first time they get pounded out, you know, the first time that somebody mounts you and, pound, you know, starts pounding on your face and you can't get out of there, if you quit, you have no business fighting, you know, it's the guys that keep trying, you know, that keep trying, keep trying, keep trying to get out and, you know, have that fighting spirit where there's no retreat, you know. You're, and like Barry used to say, you're either a pit or a lab. You can't, you're, you know, you can't turn a lab into a pit. You're born one or the other. And the way you know is when you start getting hit, you know, the, the, the pit keeps going forward. You know, have you ever seen a dog, a pit fighting, a pit bull fighting in a fight? Even when it's losing, man, he's still wagging his tail and Steve keeps going even though it's dying. You know, it doesn't know any better. It just keeps going forward. And, you know, and we were all pits right there. And if you're a lab, you just couldn't be around us because you'd get exposed. So that it taught me a lot about myself. It taught me a lot about mental toughness. And it really helped me get through the infantry. So that's really how I got into um, into fighting, which is known as MMA today. Back then it was called Vale Tudo. And, man, I met some really great guys over there. I met Josh Barnett over there back in 98. Uh, he was just a madman. I saw Josh beat the crap out of. I saw him fight a. Uh, it was a three. No, it was it was it was something like a ten man tournament. But he fought three times in one night and beat the crap out of everybody. I mean, his nose was completely broken on after the first match, and he still went in there and beat the, and smashed everybody. Um, I met his master uh, from uh, Combat Sports Wrestling. Uh, Randy Couture? No, well, yeah, Randy. Randy was down there as well, but that's not that's not his sense. His master's. Um, he's God. that old guy that. Um, yeah, well, that judoka guy, right? No, he's not a judoka. He's he's he's. Uh, well, you know, he's he's a wrestler. No, he he does a combination. Eric Paulson. Yeah. So I I met Eric Paulson. I met a young Eric Paulson, and man, let me tell you something. Eric Paulson was one of the most 
incredible individuals I ever met. Eric Paulson was one of the first guys to go to Japan and, and, and do the thing over there where he smashed people and he became a title holder in Japan as an American, as a white guy. And then um, I was really impressed with him because I remember seeing him at a boxing match with his girlfriend the night before he fought Ronald Machine Gun John. And Ronald John was this uh, Hawaiian guy who was a, just a big, big dude for his weight. I think he fought like at 185, if I'm not mistaken. But, you know, there's like guys that fight at 185 and that's what they, Ronald was just like a huge, huge muscular dude. Uh, just like, you know, one of those dudes that's just naturally strong and a big frame on top of that. And I had just seen, I had been watching Ronald fight for over a year, consistently fighting a couple of years. And he would just smash guys. I mean, he was just smashing Japanese guys. He was smashing local guys. He was smashing guys from the mainland. I mean, nobody could hang with this guy. This guy was part of the team. Uh, Jesus is Lord. They were all these Christian dudes. You know, it's funny. And uh, he was he, he was part of uh, Ray Brada Cooper, um, the Kamaka, uh, you know, the, the Kamaka family, you know. And it was just like, there were all these dudes who, who were really tough dudes from the Jesus is Lord gym. And... Uh, and man, as good as those guys were, Eric Paulson went in there and he demolished Ronald John. He completely shut him down, and I just never seen anything like that. I'd never seen a, I, I had never seen a guy moved the way that Eric Paulson moved. I mean, it was like his body was on swivels. Uh, he would just like spin around your head. He would just like spin around. Uh, you know, he would just like take you down, and then he would just spin to your side, and then before you know it, he would just like spin all the way around you. I mean, it was just. The guy was unbelievable, man. He went from transition to transition to transition, uh, you know, leg locks. And he, he he was just an amazing, amazing athlete. And not only that, just a stone-cold killer. No emotion, no anger, no nervousness, none of that. The guy would just go in there and just do his job. Like, you know, like, like you see a hitman in the movies with no emotion, that's how he was. I mean, the guy has ice in his veins. Um, so... It was a privilege for me to meet that guy. That guy was definitely one of the most impressive people. The other guy that I met that was really an honor to meet was Matt Hume. Matt Hume uh, is also, if you guys ever get a chance to meet Matt Hume, man, Matt Hume is an amazing, amazing individual. He was friends with Egan and Ensign. That's how I met him. And uh, Matt Hume would go down there. I mean, we had so many fighters go down there. All the Japanese fighters would go down there. Rumi Nasato went down to Grappling Unlimited before. You know, so we had all these legends going down there. And, uh, man, so you got to fight different people. I got to fight kung fu guys. I got to fight boxers there. I got to fight judo guys. I mean, and they would come in and, and, and we'd say, well, what do you want to do? You want to train or you want to fight? And some guys say, we want to fight. And it was on. It was on. You signed the waiver and we we're fighting. So when you fight different style guys like that, and, and you know what the great thing is? is? Like when Egan was in my corner, I could never lose. I mean, he gave you that confidence, you know, and he would tell you this guy had the recipe. You know, like they, they say, oh, you know, the nowadays it's like guys come up with, with uh, how to beat. Egan could just look at a guy and he could tell you how to beat him because he's a super intelligent guy. And uh, and he would just give you that confidence that when he was in your corner, you know, you could do it. So, you know, you flash forward later and, and I had two sons that were born. I got married. I moved back to the mainland. I uh, I was here and I got married. And I decided a long time ago that if I ever had two boys, I was going to name them Egan and Ensign after the NOA brothers because those were the most honorable guys I ever met in a, in a disgusting environment, which is a fight game. If you guys don't know about this, the fight game is disgusting in the sense that 
everybody's looking to screw you. You know, like like I read this. Uh, I, you know, the saying comes to mind that I read in a book. Uh, I read Don, the the Don King's book, Only in America. I think it's called. Uh, and uh, or made in America. I forgot the Don King book is called, and it slips my mind. But there was a saying in there from a fighter that said, "Fighting is the only jungle where the lions are afraid of the rats." And what you mean by that is, I mean you look at people how they get ripped off. You know, the promoter, the the fighters always get ripped off. They get ripped off by the promoter. They get ripped off by uh, people that are supposed to be paying their taxes, but actually pocket the money and don't pay the taxes. And then when the fighter retires, the IRS comes after them for not paying their taxes. I mean, they get screwed every which way. So it's usually the promoters and the managers that screw over the fighters. Egan was the exception to that. Man, Egan was, he was great. Number one is he would protect us because, because people knew that we were always in fighting shape. We always had people going over there and offering the fighters fights. And what they would do is they would tr- they would try and use you as a tomato can. They would tell they would you know some of the promoters would lie and they would say oh yeah I have a fight for you the guy yeah I got a guy who's only fought two fights and he's a he's a kickboxer and you think oh well that's great because you know I'm 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 a jujitsu guy so it should be I'm gonna take him down and beat him up and then you come to find out the guy has twenty fights you know they'll do something like that to you and then you 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 know you risk getting hurt man you know it's not basketball. You know, if you get kicked in the side of the head, you know, you, you get brain damage. You could lose an eye. You know, a lot of things can happen. You get your jaw broken. So Egan had this thing where he would find out who it was that you're fighting. And then he would tell you, you know what? Yeah, take this fighter. He would say, no, 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 you're not going to take that fight. That's ridiculous. All right. How do they want you to fight a guy who has that many fights? And it's not that he doubted you. It was just like a father protecting his sons, you know. And, and you know, you... Yeah, the world's a hard place, but at the same time, you know, you 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 take people in increments. You make them, you make a fighter grow in increments if you really care for that fighter. You don't throw them to the wolves right away. So, Egan would do that. The other thing Egan would do is like if you got paid less than a thousand dollars, he wouldn't take any money from you, you know, because uh, a lot of guys right off the bat, a lot of trainers will take half of your pay or they'll take all of it because you owe for the fight camp. So when you're when you when you're a fighter, you're broke. I mean, most of these fighters are broke. They don't have sponsorships. They work regular jobs. The ones that don't work regular jobs and just focus on training, it's really hard to make money. So, you know, Egan Egan always protected you. Egan always put the time there. And if you wanted to learn how to fight, he was there for you, man. But you, you needed to be tough as nails. He, he didn't half-ass anything. Um, I just want to say um, on the note that fighters don't get paid enough. Um, there's a fighter that usually was in the prelims. And he would fight a lot, and his name was Bobby Green. He, um, I don't know he if he announced he was retired, but now he's looking to fight Mike Perry. But he said that he worked a job in construction, and he'd get paid every hour more than more than the, he got paid in the UFC. So basically, oh, yeah. he got paid more in construction than he got paid for fighting in the UFC. Yeah, no, and not only that, but like, uh, for example. Um, one of the worst days of my life was when I saw my, my brother Barry Yoshida get knocked out, and he got he got TKO'd by this Japanese fighter Mamora, and you know it was weird because in the first minute of the fight, you know in the first minute or two, Barrett took the guy's back, and man, if you were to roll with Barrett, I was like, oh, it's over, and because and it wasn't, and the reason why is because 
you know, he was fighting with MMA gloves and choking somebody out with, with gloves on is a lot different than choking somebody out without them. So because he wasn't used to the thick gloves they were wearing, Mamora slipped out and he managed to catch him with a couple of punches and he ended up knocking him out. Well, Barrett was okay after the fight. I mean, he was conscious, but he was conscious, but uh, the 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 event, which was a Super Brawl, he, they they insisted on taking him to the hospital in an ambulance, and that ended up costing Barrett like three thousand dollars back in nine no like thirty five hundred dollars almost four thousand dollars. This is back in nineteen ninety eight ninety nine. It was a lot more money than it is now, and the promotion refused to pay for it. The promoter was T J Thompson. T J used to train at our gym. You know we we all knew him. He knew us. It didn't matter. It didn't matter. He got screwed up. Barry got screwed over, and he had to end up paying that money. So. Not only do you not get paid, but man, sometimes some of these smaller shows they don't pay your bills, man. They won't pay your medical bills. If you get your if you get hurt, you're paying for that if you don't have insurance. So yeah, no, the fight the life of a fighter is tough. Uh, you you work a job, you know you you or, or if you don't work a job, you're always broke. You're always scraping by. When you do make a purse, you already owe some of it because of you know the fight. You know you you have to pay your dues at the gym or you have to pay your trainer you have to pay somebody to hold mitts for you uh food you know you all these things so yeah the the life of a fighter is not easy so i totally believe that 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 bobby v was making more working construction yeah you could probably make you know but you know you could probably make more money people say well that's not what you do you don't do it for money no it's not but you should get paid because these promotions are making money you know most of these promotions they're not losing money they're making money and and you know for example the UFC you know it was sold for uh, how much money right like a I think a billion dollars one billion or three billion I thought something. it was three yeah yeah, yeah like right something like that. so you know the UFC makes all this money but yet you still have fighters showing up you know even when they were even right before they sold it you know not too long ago you still had guys showing up for three and three that means three thousand a fight and three thousand if you show up. You know, or let's just say they do six and six. Who cares, man? That's nothing, um, you know? So, you know, these things were, you know, this much if you win. This, it's it's ridiculous. These guys should be paid at least, at least 50000 a fight, you know? And I'll tell you why. Because the promotions in Japan are paying that, you know? And these guys, these are these are conglomerates. These are, these are major companies that are getting big money from, you know, sponsorships from other companies, you know? And... The Reebok money did not trickle down to the fighters. And that, that that's just something that's been going on for a long time. What? So on the Reebok note, I just want to say um, that ended up costing fighters, like, they ended up getting paid less because with the Reebok deal going into the UFC, fighters didn't get to put sponsorships on their, oh, yeah. on their um, pants. Yeah. And also I wanted to note this. Um, in the Joe Rogan podcast with... Um, Kamara Usman, he talked about how Kamara Usman was only getting paid, I think, 15000 or 35000 for a main event. And a main event, uh, if somebody signed in a main event, they shouldn't be getting no. paid that less. No, no, 15, no. 15000 Yeah, no, no, it's, it's, it's a little bit of money. It's nothing, you know, it's, it's chump change. You know, 35000 you put it on the line, you're showing up, you have to put up. You have to you have to do a fight camp. I mean, it's it's no no no. It's 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 highway robbery, really. What they're paying these guys. You know, here's a funny thing too is, I met John Lewis and Chuck Liddell because John Lewis's uh, sensei, which was uh, Andre Pedernada's 
So for those of you who don't know, the story is that when John Lewis beat Carlson Gracie Jr., all the Gracies, you know, all the, all the jiu-jitsu studios, but especially the Gracie studios and all the Brazilians in L.A. and around, around you know, that were around, they all blackballed John Lewis because how dare he fight a Gracie and beat him, right? So the only guy who was willing to train John Lewis was Andre Perinatus. So uh, so that's how the, the Perinatus, uh, John Lewis, and then John Lewis got his black belt from them, from, from uh, Perinatus. And then John Lewis gave black belts to Egan and Ensign, right? And then Egan gave his black belt, gave a black belt to Barrett. And that's our 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 side. So the lineage of the Grappling Limited, it, it all comes from John Lewis, right? So I knew that that I knew when the Fertitas and Dana White started training with John Lewis, and we're all excited about that because the UFC was going nowhere, MMA was going nowhere, and and I was like, wow, now that. You know the the Dana White and uh, the Fertitas are getting involved with this. I knew them as the owners of the of the Boulder Palace Station. That's what I knew them as. You know they're gonna understand jujitsu and they might buy the UFC. When when they bought the UFC, I was like, man, now guys are gonna start getting paid because these guys really are into it and they really know what it takes. And I was so wrong. You know, I, I never thought that in my lifetime I'd watch I I'd see Dana White become the next Don King, the Don King of MMA. You know, which is basically, in my opinion, what he is. So, you know, it's sad because you think that something's going to be beneficial and in the end it turns into, you know, it just turns into the same pile of garbage. Um, that's why I'm, I'm glad that there's other promotions out there. I'm glad that One is out there. Um, I'm glad that Bellator, you know, there's there's other organizations out there that pay guys good money. And there's been other organizations that have tried to do right by fighters, but they just don't survive. You know, like... Um, the uh, uh WEC? Well, not WEC so much, but like uh there used to be a, a fight league, the International Fight League. Those guys were trying to pay people money and they were trying to give them benefits. I mean, there's been organizations that have tried to to really treat athletes the way they're supposed to be treated, you know, like the NFL uh pays their players, you know, but but no. Um right now, I think we're still in the dark ages when it comes to to you know, to compensation for fighters because how can a promoter make all the money? How can a uh, organization make all the money? And you know, Don King used to say this. He'd be like, you know what? When I used to lose money, nobody would complain then. Nobody was helping me then. So now that I'm making money, why are people complaining? Why? Because you've made your money over 100 times, 100 times over. So whatever times you lost, now you're making money 100 times over. So that one loss doesn't mean set the rule and say, now you can fuck everybody over. You should be able to pay people money. So... Yeah, it's 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 really sad that fighters are still not making the money they should, but I think that competition's healthy. Also, here's the other thing too is when guys used to go to Japan and fight, while here in the States you would get five hundred bucks for a fight, if you went to Japan and fought, you're making fifty thousand dollars tax free. So it was really awesome for fighters when they could go to Japan and fight. And also the Japanese crowds are really well were really well educated and and they would uh, understand what was going on. I like the crowds here where you hear, bite them in the ear. Or you see all the trailer park trash Ooh. going, woo, woo, woo. I mean, oh, just God. like stupid, yeah. So, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, no. So so having other promotions has always been a great thing, you know. Uh, of course, if you want to be known worldwide, the UFC. The UFC is uh, still the king of the cake, you know. Still the king of the hill, you know. So they're they're still top dog. 
But as far as compensation goes, man, they have they leave a lot, a lot to be desired. And you know, you're saying that that when the Reebok deal came, it happened way before then. That fighters lost the right. Let me tell you when that happened. Andy Wang was in season five of The Ultimate Fighter, and I went to Vegas to go watch the finale. And I hung out with those guys all that week. I uh, I hung out with uh, BJ. Uh, I ate dinner with Joe Lozon. Yeah, Joe Lozon. We ate dinner. I mean. Uh, I hung out with um, Nick, Nate, Nate. Nate Diaz was there. Uh, Manny was there with all the Armenians. You know, he showed up with uh, the guys from Hayastan. You know, I you know we met all these dudes, man. It was it was an awesome time. But I remember very clearly that that was the first UFC where guys were lost their sponsorships, and the reason why is because the sponsor had to pay the UFC. And not the fighter directly. That's what they did. So that's where you saw like Island Vitamin Island Supplements, for example. A lot of guys lost that sponsorship and you know, five thousand here, three thousand there, and it just and it just cut people's pay by ninety percent. So that season five is where all that started. And it just got progressively worse. You just started tightening the noose until now. You don't you don't do anything unless it unless the UFC gets their cut, you know? They're like the mafia. And it's like Amway. You gotta make them a million dollars before you see a thousand so you know it's uh it, it's still sad when it comes when it comes to that stuff so um i also want to note that um, um dan henderson tried to wear try to wear his own brand because oh yeah it's his own brand clinch like, gear. yeah clinch gear yeah. he should have been able to wear his own brand but the ufc had restrictions on that which wasn't fair yeah. and by doing that the ufc didn't like it and um, fucked Dan Henderson out of a title shot. And then when he offered him a title shot against Bisping, he kicked his ass in that fight. Literally, he he didn't look as beat up as Bisping did, and they still give the fight to Bisping. Well, you're talking about the one in Britain, though. Yeah, and the first one. And the first yeah. one, he won. He well, knocked yeah, Bisping But that wasn't a title match. No, it, it wasn't. Was a title. It wasn't a championship fight. Uh, it w- they weren't fighting for the title. Yeah, no, no. Dan- Hendo got screwed over. And he got screwed over a lot of times. And it was due to politics. And that's because he doesn't take any bullshit. You know, it's funny. It's like, Hendo is, is one of my heroes, man. So, so Hendo, uh, Randy Couture, Captain America, all those guys come from the original Team Quest, right? And these are all badass dudes. Uh, Robert Follis, um, What's the other guy? Uh, God, I can see his face right now. The one who got the one who got kicked out of the UFC for putting that that casino tattoo on his back. That that uh, he he put on like a a, a tattoo, one of those uh, temporary tattoos on his back, like for internet uh, gambling or something like that. And the UFC cut him. Uh, Matt Leland. Matt Leland. Oh. Yeah. So so Matt Leland was kicked out to make way for uh, Rich Franklin because he was more marketable, is what I heard. Um, but yeah, so anyway, those 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 Team Quest guys, they're the ones who really put, uh, made made the sport jump by leaps and bounds. I mean, you know, they were just doing it. But it, anyway, as I was saying, so a funny thing happened is I was going to Cerritos College and I ended up taking a wrestling class there. And I would go, because I was already doing jiu-jitsu and I wanted to learn about wrestling. So I would go in there and, and Dan Henderson was a coach. Dan Henderson was a coach at Cerritos College along with Coach Smith. And... Um, uh, who else came out of there? Uh, Chris Lieben? No, not Chris Lieben. Uh, there was a uh, Antonio McGee. Antonio McGee was a top dog there at Cerritos College, and you know he just had some awesome, awesome wrestlers. So I leave to the army, and then one day I I turn on some fights. Some guy goes, "Oh, we have some fights. Are you into? You like fighting?" I go, "Yeah." And they put on the fights, and there's 
Dan Henderson, there's Coach Dan, fighting in Japan. And I'm like, hey, I know that guy. And everybody's like, yeah, whatever, motherfucker. You know, they didn't believe me, but yeah. So, you know, Dan Henderson's been doing it for a long time. And because he's the kind of guy who refuses to kick ass, he's a humble guy, he's from Downey, California, you know, uh, the UFC just didn't like that. They want company men. They want guys who aren't going to say shit, who are going to get ripped off and not say, say, thank you, sir, may I have another? And Dan just wasn't doing that. So that's the reason why they made him disappear or, or they didn't give him the, the, the you know, the, the spots that he could have had, the opportunities he could have had. That's the same thing did to, to, to Randy Couture. Randy Couture carried the UFC for many, many years during the dark ages. What did they do? They got rid of him. You know, you can't, you don't ever hear his name mentioned, you know? Yeah. You know, it's like, it, yeah, it's like the Sandman. You can't say his name, you know? They put him in the Hall of Fame and then it's like, fuck you. We're never going to name you exactly. again. And, and, and why? Because he, he was one of the first guys to openly talk about how fighter compensation wasn't right and about how there was a need to unionize. You know, even back then he knew it, right? So, you know, these are guys who have gone out of their way to really advocate for fighters and have been punished severely for it. Randy was kicked out of his son's fight. So Ryan uh, Ryan Couture went into fighting the UFC and they told him, no, your dad can't corner for you. I mean, what kind of shit is that? You know, it's just vindictive crap that the UFC pulls. So, you know, um, I, lo- I have a love-hate relationship with the UFC. I love to watch some, some of the matches, but I hate what they do. I mean... The fact that the house makes so much money, so much more money over the fighters, there would be no UFC without the fighters. It's the ultimate fighting champion. It's not the ultimate promoting champion. You know, without fighters, there would be nothing. So you know, they need to start breaking bread with the fighters. And I think a lot of people realize that, and that's why they're getting behind Bellator and all these or- other organizations that have a reputation for treating fighters well. Scott Coker, I hear, is a great guy. I I never heard bad stuff about Scott Coker. You know that. Everybody says he treats you well, he's respectful, he's humble, that he pays people well. And Scott Coker's an amazing and intelligent dude. He was able to start Strike Force, sell that to the UFC, and then he comes out with Bellator. And Bellator is one of the one of the most popular um, fighting organizations yeah. right now. I think what hurts Bellator is the name. I yeah. think the name Bellator stinks. And you know, if they were to change, if they were to change their name early on. People are accepting it now, but it's, you know, still, it doesn't make a lot of sense and it doesn't sound attractive like the Ultimate Fighting Channel. That's a great name, you know? But, uh, you know, sometimes when you try to get too cute with your name and come out with names that you like, but nobody else knows what the hell you're talking about, it just doesn't work out for you. And that's a perfect example. But this is a guy who took a mediocre product and has turned it into a great product, uh, Scott Coker. So, you know, and then you have the guys from one that are paying people top money because they're building it up in Asia. So, you know, nothing like uh, competition to make people step up. And hopefully that competition is going to make the UFC start paying people well. You know, the UFC used to pay people, like, really good. Like, I remember back in the day, um, I I couldn't, like, really remember because I was small. But Bellator used to have like really amazing fighters and they're amazing fighters that came out eddie alvarez is one of them he left because he wanted to compete in the ufc and not not that there was also a greater pay but now you're starting to see guys that are getting paid even more like for example demetrius johnson as soon as he learned about the deal with one he hopped on it right away because that's a deal he's probably never gonna get in the ufc the well, money not that's, just that, but I mean, if you, if you think about it, he's pretty much fought and beat most of the guys in the UFC. I mean, the only guy, 
that he lost to was Henry Cejudo, and then he left right after that, right? Yeah, but he but, he beat Cejudo once before. Yeah, exactly. He already beat him once before. What are they going to do, a rubber match? He can either do a rubber match and get paid wherever the UFC was paying him. And, and then also, you know, they never really celebrated, you know, DJ for for a lot of reasons. You know, number one is a lot of people don't really care about his weight class, and I guess... Because he doesn't uh, talk shit. And then, yeah, he doesn't talk shit, you know, like a lot. He doesn't Conor McGregor his way into fights. He's not, you know, he doesn't, he's not a, 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 a fake, a fake, a real fake wrestler like uh, CM Punk or uh, Brock Lesnar, you know, or these guys who just talk their bullshit way into a fight, even though they shouldn't, you know, um, they don't deserve it. So, you know, he, he already, I think he'd already done what he, what he, what he needed to do on this side. And he's like, you know what, if I really want to, be the best i'm gonna go fight the best in asia and 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 you see when he when he made his debut he almost lost i mean that was a tough fight for him you know so i think that good for him that he's getting paid and that he found a new challenge you know a whole new area a whole new arena where he can compete and actually challenge himself because i think he was getting a little bit bored you know here's the other thing too is i don't think the ufc pays minorities well if you if you look at the way that they treat minority fighters they don't really promote him like they do. Anytime a guy comes up and he's a white guy and he's kind of, you know, Brock Lesnar, man, he was supposed to be the next big thing. And the way they were falling all over themselves and, you know. Paige and they, Van Zandt, yeah, Sage Northcutt. Sage Northcutt, uh, that fake re- the wrestler. Um, CM Punk. Yeah, CM Punk. What the fuck has CM Punk ever, ever done? He didn't even he didn't even work his way up the ranks like everybody else. He lied and said, "I've been training with the Gracies for a long time." The guy's a fucking white belt, you know. He's a he was a white belt who who you know who uh, wore leotards and did basically choreographed ballet, which is what the WWE is, and and he and he just talked his way into a fight, you know. And then he fought probably one of the worst fighters in the UFC, which is Mike Jackson. And you saw that during the fight. Mike Jackson was fucking around, and instead of putting him away, you know, he let CM Punk take him down or whatever. Dude, how do you get taken down by a white belt CM Punk? Well, like, it's you know, hard for me to say because anybody down. can get taken down by him. You know, I'm a child, and I could probably get taken down by him. But if you're going to fight at that type of level, it's a joke because yeah. especially it's just a joke, and it's just a shame that, that the UFC would let that fight into a um, co-main event. Well, right. I, you know, again, I, I think that the UFC is always looking for that Ken, you know, Ken and Barbie, right? Look, they want that big, blue-eyed, blonde-haired, uh, great white hope, you know? And you always see that they're always putting them their, their money behind it, you know? Like, um, Brock Lesnar is a perfect example, man. Brock Lesnar, the only fight that I think that he really fought where I was like, oh, man, that's a that's a tough... He fought Randy when Randy was already way too old past his prime right that's number one he and, was and, 40 he was 42 he was 42 um yeah well not only that but like you know brock was just so much bigger than him uh and and it was just like he it was just a bad juice to the gills yeah he went in there juice to the gills you know on every fucking he went in there on those goddamn bull steroids he takes you know and 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 you know and the ufc they they they, they, they didn't care you know but then when when cain velasquez beat him they they didn't get behind Kane the way they got behind Brock and that that's what I mean it's like if you look at the shit that Brock Brock Lesnar's done Brock Lesnar should never ever fucking step foot in the UFC the way he beat the crap out of Mark Hunt while you know 
high on all you know what well under uh the effect of all of these different uh supplements that he all, all these illegal supplements he was on all these um all these steroids and stuff that he was that he was taking you know but they make exemptions why again because they're looking for the great white hope and not only do they give preferential treatment for for white fighters right they also pay them better and if you look at the way that that they promote, going back to Demetrius Johnson, they never really promoted DJ the way they could have. They never got. I'm not a huge John Jones fan, you know, because I I just I just don't like I I just think he fucks up too much, man. He makes black folk look bad. I think that he sets, um, you know, he just he he's just not he's not a good representative for I the cause, man. You know, I don't like John Jones and I, because I, I don't like his attitude. I, I think that he's also juiced most of his career. Yeah. And now that USADA's come in, you know, now he's had to clean it up. And and also, when you look at him in D.C., the rivalry, man, D.C. is just a class act, man. You know, he's everything that I would ever want my son to be. You know, he's he's just like a real legit guy. And, and John just doesn't carry himself like that, man. He's just a, that, not the type of guy that I would want to hang out with. But either way, John Jones is probably one of the most talented fighters to ever step in the UFC. Maybe one of the, maybe one of the best MMA fighters ever, right? Dirty or not, he's physically talented. His octagon uh, control, his IQ when he's fighting. You know, you can't. You can take all the steroids you want, man. But that shit doesn't come to you. You're either born with that or you're not. You know how creative he gets in there. You know he's an amazing guy, and the UFC's just never gotten behind John Jones the way they the way they've gotten behind other white fighters. You know, so you know John Jones, DJ, Cain Velasquez. You know uh, these are guys that. You know they 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 kind of half-ass get behind them, so I think that that's why they're going. These guys are going to other organizations because they're like, you know what, this is bullshit, man. I need to put up with this. And you know the fact that Dana White's such a huge Donald Trump supporter shows you where his heart's at, man. You know, I mean he's he's basically saying, yeah, I'm with the white nationalists. You know, and and these white nationalist guys, they they all, you know, they're all for what 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 I'm for what right, you know. And and that's what they're about, and and it shows. It shows in the way that, that that they show the favoritism. So, I think that these companies that are popping up, like Bellator and One, is like breaking up the phone company. You know, and it's good. It's good to break up the monopoly. So that's that's my take on that. Um. Um. So like I was saying, I don't like John Jones because it's easy for me to say. It's easy for me to say this, but. I don't think I don't want to be such a huge fan of John Jones. Uh, I was when I was younger, but finding out that he he was juiced and he went against um DC, and just the way he beat up DC with that front kick, he let with that side kick to the head, the roundhouse to the head, and just knocked him out in front of his family, and DC was crying. It just shows you like he's cold hearted. How do you take steroids and like beat the fuck out of DC? It's it's well, really fucked up. You know, man, it, when when you're a fighter and you're in there, you're you're not in there to 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 give it your the college try. You're in there to fucking succeed, and yeah, that means win at all costs. You so, shouldn't you shouldn't well, take steroids to fight somebody. It's dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty. Well, you know, here's the thing. Also, is you got to remember this: is when everybody's doing steroids, right? At one point, I think most and and Nate said Nate Diaz said everybody's on it. Everybody's doing steroids, and he was right. You know, I think at one point in the UFC, most fighters were were juicing. So if if you're not juicing and some guys taking EPO steroids, you know, they're taking DECA, they're taking all this shit, and you just come in there natural, dude, you're gonna have a hard time. You're gonna have a hard time competing with these guys, you know. So 
Shane, Mo- you know Shane Mosley, one of my favorite fighters of all time. You know why I love Shane Mosley because of his because of his cardio. And oh. I come to find out that he was on EPO when he beat Oscar De La Hoya, and that's why I think that that's why he was able to to, to you know to out cardio him. So you know, so you see it when guys are fighting and they come back and they piss hot, and you look at their performance, you're like, holy shit, there is another level that you get to when you take this stuff. So you also have to remember that it's like it's hard to compete with guys at a certain level. You know, like the Tour de France, for example, when everybody's on it. And you, you're you like, you know what? That's just a prerequisite to be able to get your foot in the door. You know, um, like you mentioned earlier in this podcast, you said that DC had a hard time fighting and won. And he almost got knocked out. And Eddie Alvarez got knocked out. And Sage Norca got Not knocked DC. out. Not um, DC. No, no, no. Eddie Alvarez. No, but you said DC had a hard time fighting. No, DJ. DJ. DJ, yeah, yeah, yeah DJ. Sorry about that. To give that up, DJ. He almost got knocked out on um, fighting in one. And I, I talked to a lot of MMA fans. And if you go on to like, the comments of Instagram and seeing the fighters get knocked out, a lot of people agree on this, that once fighters look juiced, look very, look very juiced. And the guy that DC went against, I mean DJ went against, he, was, he had steroid stomach and he looked kind of built. The guy that Eddie Alvarez went against, I remember seeing a comment that said, it's hard for fighters to win when they go against guys looking like like the living um, Hulk or something like that. Because yeah. the guy that he fought was really big. And sh- yeah, you know, but here, here's the thing, man. It's like when you go into Asia, into the Asian markets, they don't, there's no USADA there sometimes, you know. Like, for example, Pride, Pride was known for telling guys to take steroids. Ensign talked about yeah, it. Yeah, Ensign, Ensign in a way talked about that. And Ensign, Ensign talked about that way before. We all knew that before the podcast, you know. Um, but you have to remember, it's like Pride was run by the syndicate, by the Yakuza. You know, so the syndicate used to run Pride. So that's why they got into a lot of trouble. And that's what that was the end of Pride. That was the, 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 uh, the demise of Pride. Was le- What led to the demise of Pride was the fact that the mob was running it, you know. And they kept getting, you know, mixing up mob shit with with pride and and it just shut it down you know that's that's part of the reason why they ran so many problems so when 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 the mob is running shit you know when when shady people are running things you know it's 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 only natural that they're gonna say yeah use steroids we don't care shit you know as long as you put on a good show that's all we care about but i i agree with you though that it's gonna be hard for american fighters that are clean to go over to asia to to one and to these organizations if everybody's juicing, you know? I don't and the stuff that they're taking now is off the chain, man. It's not the regular old steroids that just make you big. I mean, the shit they're taking is it gives you endurance, muscle mass, uh, you know, cardio, everything. It's it's amazing. You know, these guys are just like cardio machines and they're yoked up. It's it's They look like bodybuilders sometimes with cardio, right? Yeah. It's crazy. So, it, you know, uh, there are guys who can contend with that, but... I think, you know, it, it's just tough. And you can tell also a lot of times, because like you said, a lot of these guys have steroid stomach. You know, um, one of the subjects I wanted to talk about on this podcast that I kind of forgot about, but it just rang to my head right now, is um, I remember Dana White saying that he wouldn't consider putting Henry Cejudo, the pound-for-pound, pound, um, the number one pound-for-pound pound fighter on this, plan- on this planet right now, ranked. And honestly, I think... 
if I would have to disagree with Dana White because Henry Cejudo is a double champion right now. He just came off of a fight with um, Magic Marlon Moraes, who knocked out Aljamain Sterling in yeah, like 30 but, seconds. Yeah, but he's Latino. And he doesn't like Latinos, no, no, man. But he beat Marlon Moraes. He beat DJ. Yeah. He's the th- he was the third man to beat DJ after DJ was on a, t- a nine t- I forgot ten to eleven fight win streak, and he's a he's a silver gold medalist in the in the Olympics. Listen, man, you're right. You're right. But I have two words for you, Tony Ferguson. Look at Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson's fucking smashed everybody they put in front of him. Everybody. And, he's they, still, the champion. and they still won't give him a title not, shot. Yeah. They, won't, they made that bullshit interim title, which you and I went to that UFC, right? And we saw him beat... Um, Kevin Lee. Kevin Lee. You know, Kevin Lee had staff, real bad staff infection. So I give Kevin Lee a pass on that one. But he smashed Kevin Lee, man. He ran through him. He, he didn't run through him, Dad. Yeah, he did. Dude... He Can't, got taken down Tony, the first. Tony he got, got taken mounted. down. He got mounted, but that doesn't mean anything. No, he he was even getting pounded. Oh, man, look, guys, mount Tony, but they don't really land on him. It's it's really hard to land on that. That guy is amazing. That guy is amazing because he's he, he, he always finds a way to win. He may not look like much. You, I don't know if you remember this, but when we used to go to tap out right here in downtown LA, yeah, he, I would see him there, and he doesn't look like much. You know, when you see him in person. But Especially with his, like, for a while, he had, like, this blonde hair. He looked like the biggest Justin Bieber fan ever. And yeah. then you didn't know that guy was a dominator. I know. But, I mean, like, and again, he doesn't look like much, but he's one of those guys that finds a way to win. You know? That's why that, that's why I admire guys like that because, you know, that's that's some fighter mentality. It's like, can I win? No, it's how am I going to win? Right, he's always trying to figure out how he's gonna beat you. He's gonna beat you in his mind. He's sure he's gonna beat you. He's trying to figure out how he's gonna beat you. So, you know, if you look at Tony Ferguson, uh, Tony Ferguson's been fucked over. He's been passed over how many times already? Why? And, because he's Latino. And honestly, Tony Ferguson is a force. Like Tony Ferguson is an amazing fighter, and yeah, he should get a title shot. The guy that the guys that he beat, like they keep Tony's name silenced, but. Listen, Tony. Eddie is, Bravo keeps talking about yeah, him. But you know, Tony uh, is like Joe Rogan keeps talking about yeah. him. Like everybody's talking about him, but the UFC keeps ignoring him. And um, we'll really see what happens because Khabib's gonna fight in September against um, Dustin Poirier in Abu Dhabi. So we'll see how it takes after that. But um, I think D- Dustin's on a tear, so it's gonna be an interesting fight. But I think Khabib's gonna Khabib his ass. You know, I think he's gonna take him down. And he's he's just bear. not. There's levels to this shit, man. And and that Habib level is... Dustin does not have the mat time. Has not put in the mat time that Habib has. And you can see it. So, you know, he's going to get Habib by Habib. And I think right now, the only guy who can beat Habib is Tony Ferguson. Tony Ferguson can fuck up Habib. Can beat Habib. And he can fuck up Conor McGregor without a doubt. And, and, um, and to credit Joe Rogan for this, because he made this point on his podcast. He said that... Oh, wait, I think it was Brendan Schaub or Joe Rogan. He said that Tony Ferguson can beat Khabib because over the fights when you see when you see um, Khabib fighting, he goes against some guys that are dom- like dominant, very dominant fighters. He went, as- he went against Edson Barboza, and this is what he said. He said every time they take him down, they get more tired and consistently more tired and more tired, and then he just 
keeps them down there while they're trying to escape, just keeps them tired. And then when he gets back up, he beats them up on the field. Yeah, That's no, what he he's did got with that, Mexican, that but, Mexican heart, but that, here, that Mexican condition, that Indian what, blood. Here's what Tony does. Tony, if they, if Tony keeps getting taken down, he's not going to get tired because of his cardio tape. Yeah, no, no, no. You so, know, yeah, you, you remember the movie Apocalypto where those where those guys are chasing that one guy and they never get tired. They just like run all day and all night and they don't get tired. Yeah. And then when the guy finally takes a break, he looks back and now they, they lit their torches and they're running through the jungle with torches looking for him, right? That's that's who turning Tony Ferguson reminds me of is those guys in Apocalypto. Like those guys that can run all night and all day through the jungle throwing spears and fucking coming after your ass. They're coming to scalp you, you know? That's Tony Ferguson, you know? So... You know that that he's just a, on a different level, man, and and I think that it's very unfair because time is not on his side. You know, he's getting a little long in the tooth now, and he's at his prime right now, and they're just shelving him. You Dad, know? you know what? His prime is sh- shortly escaping, and the UFC does not want to give him a title shot because for some reason, no. they they know he's gonna win, yeah. literally. And that's the same thing with Henry Cejudo. And listen. When I went to his fight in UFC 216 back in 2017, I remember what he said after he won. He's like, where the fuck are you at, McNuggets? McNuggets, yeah. And they didn't give him that fight. And every single person that they want to put in front of him, he destroys. So what they need to do is give him the title shot. They're just giving him these guys that are somewhat good. He just defeated Donald Cerrone and gave him the biggest, the biggest fucking eye. Yeah, no, and not only that, man. The UFC is full of shit, and I'll tell you why in, in another sense. is like, if they don't like you, they'll throw your ass under the bus. And, like, for example, when Nate Marquardt tested positive because his, he, for not positive, but when he came back with elevated testosterone levels, because Dana didn't like him, he was like, I don't even want to talk about it. What he did is so disgusting. You know, I never want to talk about it. You know what I mean? And then you come to find out that it's elevated testosterone. Uh, testosterone. Meanwhile, everybody had fucking elevated testosterone, you know? A bunch of guys had it. So if they don't like you, they crucify you. But if they like you, you're Brock Lesnar and you get an exemption, you know? Dude, it's crazy how Brock Lesnar cheated and beat the fuck out of Mac. Uh, what was his Mark name? Hunt. Yeah, yeah, Mark Hunt. And just fucking dominated him. And no matter what Mark Hunt did, he was getting he was getting fucked up. He was literally bleeding so much. And you come to find out that Brock Lesnar tested positive to like three banned substances. Mm-hmm. But then. And he should never be allowed to come yeah, back yeah. for that. He should and be. Then, he should have been criminally charged for that shit. And then they do some WWE shit, and then he goes in there and pushes DC. I know. What the and fuck is he doing in there? And now they're gonna let him fight I again. I know. What is he doing in there? And the only reason why is because he brings in pay per views. That's why. But it's like you know what, man? It's not the the ultimate popularity contest champion. It's uh, it's an ultimate fighting champion. Okay, so I think that's enough for tonight, guys. And we're going to wrap up the podcast. Um, I hope you guys enjoy. If you want, um, follow me on Instagram, newgen, and then underscore underscore MMA. And follow my dad at... He doesn't really have any social media. But um, message me if you want any more episodes. And yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed. We had a pretty long podcast, and... Um, I'm going to start interviewing more guests. Hopefully, I can have Barrett on in a month or so and Ensign and Egan, and I can interview more people. Kong. So Yeah, Kong. And I hope you guys have a good night, and uh, bye. Keep training.